Thanks for tuning in to What is the Point? This podcast is tailored for those navigating their 20s and 30s who want to end up somewhere on purpose. We promise to keep the conversation real and honest as we ask ourselves this question. What's the point in all the different facets of our life? It's our desire that you would gain practical handles to these deeper questions we ask ourselves every single day. So with that being said, let's hop into this week's episode of What is the Point? Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What is the Point? We're glad that you're here tuning in to the conversation. We have the one, the only Chris Torres here dropping oh, some man. wisdom bombs on man, us today. Dang it. Hey, Tonight, you, really. You told me that I was the one and the only. Well, you're his one and only. Today, not the one and only. today oh, he's not the, the one and only. Oh, okay. Another day, you might be the one oh, okay. and only. Okay, you okay, okay. I feel okay. better about All that. Right. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, this week, a lot happened, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, we were just talking about Kobe. So, Chris, I know you came in. I know you came in and you won. Thank you for checking on me. So you came (laughs) in and checked on me, saw how I was doing with the whole Kobe thing. And then I asked you and you said you cried a couple of times. Yeah, I did. And uh, keep finding that more and more opportunities keep coming up for uh, me to get a little choked up. Dude was just a a hero to me. His, uh, His drive and his passion for the game and... Uh, when I grew up, everybody was rocking Kobe jerseys and yelling Kobe every time they shot a three. Well, you're from L.A. Uh, not from there, but I lived there. But I didn't see him play. Oh. Wow. Jacked up all the tickets. And the Lakers weren't even that good in his last few seasons. And they were crazy expensive just because Kobe was there. The number eight, man. Got to see it. Oh, the movie. No, that's his jersey number. It's fine. 24, <laughs> 24 number 8. Yeah. 24, it's fine. <laughs> you didn't watch basketball, John? 24 and 8. Yeah. Gosh, I know. I, know, I was just making sure. You know, your sermon tonight, you talk about um, playing defense. And, you know, as, as young adults, we often ask this question, how do we know if we truly know God? And you said to know God or to be more like God is to play on defense like uh, even Jesus did um, in, in Jeremiah. And so can you explain that for some of those who may have not listened to the message tonight, what you mean by that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, the offense mindset uh, when you start young in sports is often the me mentality of if I get the ball and get the ball in the goal, I'll get noticed. People will notice me. People will high-five me after the game. Um, and, and that can so easily be carried into uh, our, our walk with Jesus and our experience in church and, and really just every day-to-day life where uh, there can almost become like sort of a, a hidden agenda uh, that we may be doing good things, but inside of us, there still may be a part of us that's like, huh, I hope I get noticed for this. Mm. And I, I hope someone I hope someone sees me in this outreach. Uh, I hope that girl and young adults notices me when I walk <laughs> in. No, but I, lo- I love that part about like, because that really hit me, because definitely younger. As a kid, I was like, how do I know that I know God? Like, how do I know? And I would have rather had somebody been like, okay, if you pray five times a week, if you read the Bible 30 minutes, five times a week, if you go to church every Sunday, then I would be like, oh, okay, now I know right. where it's so difficult now because it's almost like we associate knowledge. The more that I know about God means that I'm closer to God. 
Right. And that's not what right. you were saying. Give me, give me a little bit it, more because I loved your analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we tend to think that discipleship uh, today, we've just kind of coined that term as more knowledge. Because the question is always asked in church, well, you're bringing in lost people. What are you doing to disciple them? And the, the, the motive behind that question is often the attempt of we need to give them more knowledge. We need to give them meat and potatoes. And uh, a lot of times that interpretation means they want a sermon that has a cool, relevant, secondary meaning of Nehemiah's cup or the, the oil that flowed down Elijah's beard or Revelations 19 explained in a new, cool way they've never heard before. Uh, when, when, when Jesus didn't really, he didn't really take that approach and he chose a bunch of people that weren't known for their knowledge. He chose just a bunch of random dudes, fishermen, sinners, uh, tax collectors, all of these guys. And he said, come follow me and, and do what I do and imitate me. Uh, cause that's what humanity was created in. We were created to be imitators of Christ. And so, uh, he says, in Jeremiah, and that was the whole premise of this message in Jeremiah 22, uh, that defending the cause of the poor and the weak and the needy is, is this not what it means to know the Lord? And when we, when we look at that in, in scripture, that's not just a Jeremiah 22 thing. Uh, that's a Jesus thing mm. all the way through from every gospel that we read. Uh, Jesus, Jesus never, I, I've been saying the NBA never sleeps, uh, <laughs> Jesus never slept on, on the opportunity, even the Gentiles and his ministry was for the Jews. And he made that clear. But even when a Gentile would stop him and he would say, this isn't my ministry right now. And they'd be like, but even a dog gets the scraps. Okay. How, how can I help you? And he was always, always, always spending his time with the outcasts of society the people that nobody else would pay attention to or care about what they thought. And, and, and today that gets so lost in church culture because uh, we've become so immersed in uh, how do I get a cool arcade looking t-shirt and, and dress like people in Hillsong. <laughs> and, and we're less concerned about somebody standing on the wall who we, we don't know where they're at in the walk of life. Nobody's talked to them. They might not have friends. They might not. Uh, we 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 uh, we we just often miss an opportunity. I don't think it's bad. I don't think anybody's anybody's doing it. I just think it's become this uh, m- misconceived idea of what it means to know Jesus. You cannot know Jesus and not understand that he defended the poor and the weak. In in Luke four eighteen, uh, it's one of my favorite passages. And it's the first time Jesus preaches in the temple. He, he, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to spread the good news, to tell the good news to the poor. First time he teaches. Could have taught on anything else. <laughs> the very first time he speaks, that's what he says. He says he's anointed me to, to preach the good news to the poor, to set a captive free, to release those in oppression. That's, that's what Jesus did. That's what he did from the moment uh, we were we were uh, saved. Like, think about that. Why do we celebrate a moment when somebody gives their life to Jesus? Why do we celebrate that? Well, because they were saved from something. What was it? 
Was it a disconnected life from God? Was it a, a broken relationship? Was it a, what, what was it? Why, why is the moment that we give our lives to Christ celebrated? Because Christ at some point took up our cause. Mm-hmm. I didn't go into this, but that to take up the cause to defend, if I was to look at that word in a little more depth, which I didn't, uh, it, it actually means to take up the judgment. To, to assume someone's judgment. And I think we all know that that's what Christ did for us. That he paid a, a, a mm-hmm. price. He took the judgment for, for us. And we, we celebrate that he laid down his life. And I read this once in a commentary. And I thought it was super interesting. Probably should have shared it. And so I'm glad we're doing this podcast because this is going when, depth. when yeah. all the there things that I left out or forgot. Uh, Even out. going over time, right? Yeah, going over time. <laughs> <laughs> You're right on, spot on. Uh, in the commentary that I read one time, it said that we can read something and hear something so many times that we convince ourselves that we actually do it. And oh my gosh. When I read that, because whenever I, whenever I'll, I'll teach in, in, uh, you know, services on a weekend and stuff, I see every head nodding when I say that we're supposed to be about the lost or when, or, or, or when we say, I see every single head. And then I took that thought even further. My head nods because I know that. And then I asked myself that question. When was the last time I spent time with somebody who was broken? somebody who was hurting when was the last time that i've intentionally gone out of my way and not to put it on instagram but just to sincerely do it it yeah because i understand that that's who jesus is and man that's a that's a hard truth that's a hard that's a hard mirror to put in front of your face but i think i think i think that's the next generation of the church right i think that's where the church is headed i think I think we're, we're, we're getting there. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, lo- like I love speaking with young adults and, and, and things like that, because I think, I think there's a shift that we're moving towards a more authentic, just, just realness in people and, and, and rawness. Like I talked about that purity and pollution thing with Jesus and he was weird. It's so easy to look at the Pharisees and be like, man, you just, you 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 self righteous thing, and really honestly, like we would have thought Jesus was weird too, right? If Jesus came in today, Luke fifteen talks about uh, the sheep. The lo- Luke fifteen, no, no other chapter like it. It's awesome. Lost coin, lost sheep, prodigal son, all lost. The lost <laughs> sheep. If you think about this, it'll mess with your mind. Where A the, lot's already messed with my where mind. The nine, where the 99 <laughs> sheep are, Jesus isn't. Mm. He's going the opposite way. So what is that? I don't know. I just, I, th- I think about that a lot. I think about, about that and, you know, I'm quick to cast out and villainize the Pharisees. Uh, yeah. But I could easily see that as being weird today, too. Mm-hmm and strange and different and how many people jump on board with that guy that walks in the room is like, Hey, let's go. Let's go love the lost. Let's mm. go. 
it's it's so easy to go like, uh, that guy's weird. Get security. He's interrupting worship. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's. I think the culture's headed in a in a in a in a positive way. Yep. And more towards uh, really being about the things that Jesus was about. Yeah, and not just coming and listening and hearing these things he's about or saying these things he's about and then going on with your week and, you know, living it just like you know, before you came in. You know, it, you're saying uh, there's this move towards actually being authentic in our faith and putting it into action and doing something about it. And so I know we've been talking kind of, um, you know, high level in the clouds per se, like bringing this back down um, for, for young adults who are wanting to be um, – a, a better disciple of Jesus and are wanting to disciple those in their lives. Um, w- you know, you said to be a disciple is to play defense, and it's often that looks like less of me um, a, a, rather than an addition of me, uh, adding more skill and knowledge, all of these things. So w- what, what can that practically look like um, to be a disciple um, to the people that were around, say, a young adult going in college right now or someone at their job um, kind of going through life? Like, how can they be that disciple by being less of them? Yeah, good question. Uh, I told the story of Mario in, 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 in my message and, uh, Mario was often, uh, he was a kid from Los Angeles, a gang member, been shot several times. My wife and I moved him out to New Mexico with us and helped him get his first job, helped him, uh, get his driver's license. Uh, and all the while he was, he was, he was stealing from us. He was lying to us and it, it, it was hard. It was really, really hard. And it was a huge inconvenience. Right. <laughs> like a huge, huge inconvenience. Those stories sound cool. They sound cool and they're inspiring. Now that you tell them. Yeah. yeah. But when, when you're you in there, it, when you live right. with him for for two years, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It was a strain on my marriage. It was a strain on my finances. It was, It was so difficult. It was so difficult to walk with him through that in life. But I can tell you, I baptize people all the time. Uh, I have conversations where people give their lives to Jesus all the time. Uh, and I love all of it. There's not one person that I've ever, I've ever done that, that I'm like, oh man, I wish somebody else would have done that. Never once. But I can tell you that Mario has meant more to me than any of, any of those other ones. Mm-hmm. Me, me, me personally. Not to take away value from them, right. but I'm just saying uh, there's something about investment when you invest into something. Mm-hmm. And, and and that investment costed me five years of my life. He only lived with me for a certain amount of time, but it was, it was five years in the running before I got a text message that his wife told me she believed in God. Mm-hmm. Before he saw any fruit. Yeah. And a text message that made me cry. And like break down and, and literally say, I looked at my wife with tears in my eyes. This is two weeks ago. Looked at my wife with tears in my eyes. And I said, I said, it was all worth it. Every single thing we've gone through, every heartache, every hardship. Cause that wasn't the only time I cried. I cried when, when Mario went back into the streets and I would drive by and I would see all the gang hanging out in front of the streets and I would see him sitting back up there after two years of living with me, going to youth camps, being a part of everything. Uh, it was it was a struggle to to be about that, and even the people, the disciples that walked with Jesus, struggled, and they were walking every day with Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
and they still couldn't get it. And they, they, they still wrestled with things like, like, like pride, like insecurities, like fear. And, 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 and here's what I know is that Jesus, he never, he never gave up running defense for people that were weaker than him. And he took a lowly position, but he, he, he continued to defend the weak and the outcast. And this, this begins. So a, a good, uh, technique for those listening out there uh theologically is that uh god is not a god that he should change his mind so if i want to see what god is about i don't necessarily always have to scramble through all of scripture i can just go to the first time that god deals with it mm. because it, the, the way that he dealt with it is how dealt with it before with it. Is, good. Is, yeah. is who he is yeah <clears throat> so when, when I look at the story of Exodus, the story of Exodus is, was so relevant to that day and age and, and so much bigger than we tend to just kind of gloss over. God chose a nation that was surrounded by, on all sides, giant armies, the Hittites, uh, the, the Jebusites, yeah, those guys, the Sites, the, 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 the Shahittites, yeah, um, <laughs> say that one on stage, right? Uh, they, they were surrounded by all of these, all of these guys, and all of these guys all had their own gods, and these were the bigger, stronger armies, bigger, bigger, bigger people, bigger, bigger armies, and those gods chose them, so. Those gods wanted to be known by, 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 by them. Mm-hmm. In the middle of all of this, little Hebrew nation that is living in captivity in Egypt, and God chose them, and he delivers them from the oppression, from the bondage, and then a term that gets used throughout the rest of the Old Testament is I will, uh, just even with dealing with Pharaoh, I will rescue you from the Pharaoh's hand so that they should know that I am the Lord your God. God is identifying himself as the one who rescues the weak, the one who is oppressed. And so when Jesus comes, it's easy for him to step in a temple and say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach to the poor, set the captive free, lift the bondage of the oppressed, because that's who God was from the very, very beginning. Mm. And not just to do that for them, but so that they would know who he is. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the nation of Israel is going to know that because God, God's the one that set them free but also the surrounding nations with all their so-called gods that were so big and so strong. They also watched God do that for, for these people. Mm-hmm. And eventually that just plays into uh, the Gentiles and all of that later coming down the line of being immersed with the nation of Israel. But from the very beginning, God's intent was that everyone, Jew, Gentile, man, woman, everybody would know the Lord, their God the Hebrews because he rescued them when they were weak. Mm. Yeah. And he's going to do whatever it takes to um, meet them at that moment uh, of, of weakness. And I know there's like a ton there and, and some people who are listening may even be like, 
wow, that was really, really like in depth. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure out what this, you know, God thing is all about. Um, I, I don't even know, like, man, I feel like after listening to that, I just need to know more about God and I need to know more about God to follow God. What would you say to someone that's thinking that that's listening right now? Yeah. Uh, I, I would try, I would try this. I would say, take what you read and just try to do it. So, uh, for example, if I was to walk into a laser tag room and there was instructions on how to play laser tag, uh, and somebody just came up and they said, here's your gun. You hold this trigger, you push this button. Uh, okay, cool. I might be a little confused at first, but once I start getting in there and I start shooting, I start figuring out what, what button does what and what is what. And here's, here's what I can say is that uh, until you start living like Jesus, mm-hmm. you, you won't. And I don't mean like not cussing or like wearing khaki or pleated pants and like dressing your best for God. Uh, and I'm not I'm not bashing anything. I'm just saying like I, d- I don't mean that. I don't mean like living like Jesus, like uh, in what a, a typical cultural sense might be. Right. Uh, There's more there of, of days past. I mean. Live like literally what you read. Like read it and then test you d- it. You don't need a secondary meaning. Read it and look at how he lives. Like, <laughs> Dude, it, it's funny because you say, you know, God uh, def- or Jesus really defended the poor and the needy. And you're almost like looking for, yeah, but what did he like really mean? Like <laughs> yeah. did he, well, I don't know. Maybe this is like yeah, symbolic like the, of something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what's this? I think it's symbolic. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the question still is there, even he, though he we defended. have repeated, repeated, like uh, n- never, never once is he like sitting in a castle with a rich person and not, not that there was anything bad with that. Uh, that's, that's not the Jesus we know. The Jesus in every storybook Bible is doing miracles, setting people free from demons, uh, you know, raising dead people to life. Spending time with people who had diseases, the outcasts. He was with the outcasts, the people that society would not accept. Mm. And 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 that's that's just a a very very different and also very hard to accept uh, fact about Jesus. And what's really hard, and I'm not trying to be like you know as radical as Francis Chan or anything like that, like. But there's there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. Jesus was radical. So if I'm if I'm imitating him, if I want to know more about God, I got to start playing laser tag. Right. And <laughs> I, I, I just have to I just have to get out there and I have to start doing the things that I read about. When I came to Christ, so I I came to Christ when I was 23, and I didn't have uh, I I consider it a blessing. I didn't grow up in church. So I didn't have any preconceived theologies or ways of or thinking. Like I didn't yeah. have the Baptist church view or the AG view. You just had what you experienced. I got saved and I was on house arrest facing felony charges. And all I had was a Bible and I couldn't go anywhere. So I just sat and I read the Bible. KJV. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, where did you start? Uh, just, just. I think like anybody, you start in Genesis. Okay. And then you, you get to Leviticus and you're like, like, this doesn't make any okay. sense. Okay, all right. Um, but 
But when I got to the Gospels and I started reading the Gospels, I know for a fact when I first started reading the Gospels, I started with John. And I didn't have a filter to tell me what was true or what was not true or what was cultural or not cultural. You said the Bible. I just I just believed what I wrote. What you read, yeah. What I, yeah, I didn't write the Bible. That's, that's <laughs> a terrible thing. Your to notes say. next not to it. <laughs> I believed what I read. And, and, you know, I've gone to school since then and uh, studied the Bible more. And I realized that that's not always healthy to just take things at face value. But I also think that there is a lot to benefit from that. Mm-hmm. Like... Maybe there is not a secondary thing or a hidden agenda. Maybe if Jesus spent his life looking out for weak people and healing sick people, and then he asked his disciples to do the same, maybe it's just as simple as that. Maybe there's something to that. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe that's just it. Like what if I just did that? And I can tell you that with a case like Mario, uh, there has never been a greater sense in me that I was more like Jesus. And, and if I've ever felt the Holy Spirit pushing me and nudging me through something, you live with somebody, you're paying for his rent, driving him to work, and he doesn't pay any bills, and he's stealing your car. Uh, the Holy Spirit's involved there like to get you through situations yeah. like that and to still press on to still believe there is more in this kid and it didn't happen with everybody i encountered lots of people people on the streets uh from different gangs i'd pick people up from prison before in los angeles like Mm. it was it was wild because i had those relationships but never have i felt the spirit leading me in that way to be that as involved with them Mm -hmm. so I guess if I'm talking to young adults and you're looking to how do I live with Jesus and what practically do I do start somewhere because I did skid row for two years and Mario, I found not on skid row, but right in the backyard of the dream center in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even where I had imagined that my biggest ministry would come from. It just kind of came. But once I knew it, I knew it was there. Sometimes the best opportunities are the ones right in front of us. Yeah. And we're like looking for other, pla- other and, places and, and to invest. And you'll know it. You, you'll know it when it's there. You'll feel it. Like you'll feel it in your gut that, oh man, there is something in this person that, I, that, 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 that there is, there is a, a bigger call from me to do something with. Uh, take, for example, the, the guy before him that I was like r- really close with. His, they called him Set Trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from like the 80s block on, on Crenshaw Boulevard. Uh, or excuse me, Compton Boulevard, and, and we were we were really really close, but that just wasn't there. And I tried, I like I spent every day like trying to pour into this guy, and and it, and it just wasn't there. With Mario, it was different. Hmm. Mario, I I knew there was an opportunity, so I didn't shake off set trip. I I kept trying as much as he would leave the door open, but with Mario is is not something that even now that it's been five years is gonna stop it's it's still i still imagine a lot more hurt and pain coming from this relationship a lot more letdowns a lot more like bro you were so much further than this why do you what like why why what like what's what's going on here but just the little victories along the way 
will will keep you ticking. And it's that, and I don't know, it all boils down to investment. And I think if you're looking to get started with that, you have to get in the laser tag and play the game. Like yeah. you just start serving at the Dream Center. If that's if that's too extreme, yeah. get involved at serving in your church. You will encounter people that are broken, and the tendency will be, or at least the thing that you'll have to fight, is is this uh, what I should do? Or does this feel like an inconvenience to me? And you'll have to land on one side of that. A lot of times I've landed on this is an inconvenience to me. But it's what I should do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And I know, and I might know that. I might know that. Yeah. But I'm like, uh, I don't want to. Like, I'm tired. I want to go home. I even caught myself the other day. Somebody was, was, was talking to me and. Uh, she's just telling me uh, all this, all this, all this stuff about her life and all of that, and I, I caught myself zoning off, thinking, you know, what am I going to do next? What am I going to go? What am I going to have for lunch, or something like that? What was it? I think it's Burger King. <laughs> uh, but, but, but that can happen so quickly, and I can lose sight of what's in front of me. We talked about twenty twenty vision and thinking that. Uh, 2020 vision means perfect vision. Uh, that's not true. I can see something from 20 feet away and still be blurred and miss something that's five feet away. Mm. And that's what I was trying to get across is that we've nailed, we've nailed the long distance theology of Jesus. But in our attempt to see that, oftentimes we miss the people that are five feet away. Mm. That Jesus has said, hey, <laughs> if you want to step, Five feet is closer than 20. Right. Start right there. Right. Because nothing else is going to make you look like me. Jesus did not look like a guy who lived in a cave secluded from people who just knew a bunch of stuff. Right. That's a monk. <laughs> Jesus wasn't a monk. He was a savior of the world, the defender of the weak. And, and that's, man, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a hard thought to grasp, but it's one that I think everybody should wrestle with. Mm. Yeah. I'm so glad that you hit on it because it is easy to make excuses. It's easy to be like, okay, defend the the poor, the needy, the weak. Okay. Well, do I just give all my money to them? Like, do I just give all my time to them? What do I do? Like, where's the line? And I think that's what I love about it's not 2020. Like you can't see everything perfect. It can't be. And you do, you toe the line between what I should do, what I want to (laughs) do. And so I love the idea of just starting somewhere. This doesn't have to be, you know, move to Africa, give everything away, dedicate your life to it. Now, there may be a, a call to continue taking steps in that direction, but love the idea of starting somewhere. Love seeing your story on how you picked one, I mean, really two, uh, but you landed Mario, you know, yeah. and, and you made that deep investment. And so that's the call right there of like, man, who, okay, fine. What, who's one person I can invest in? Yeah. And maybe that's every day you wake up and say that, or maybe that is one person who you've connected with that you can make an investment with. And I think that's the ticket. Uh, it's, you know, it's my, my story is much more extreme, but I was in a much more extreme context. So mm-hmm. Los Angeles gang mentality, that was it. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in Springfield, it doesn't matter if you're in Beverly Hills. Uh, everybody knows somebody that's broken. When the opportunity arises, you will feel the pull in you 
to go one of two directions. What's comfortable for me or what I know that I should do that would be a huge benefit and value to this person. And, and listen, as far as drawing the line, uh, there's a good resource uh, when helping hurts. If people want to check that book out, super good book uh, about where to draw the line. Uh, and, you know, uh, Jesus, 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 uh, he drew some lines too. a uh, woman caught in the act of adultery. Pharisees come out and they say that, you know, this, this woman, she, she broke the law, losses, stoner. What, what, what should we do? And he says, well, he bends down, draws a sign in the land, uh, draws a, a line in the sand. And then he looks at the Pharisees and he says, okay, well, those of you who have never sinned cast the first stone. So he didn't, he didn't derail himself from what he knew was the truth. But then he also didn't let the woman off of the hook either. He said, where are your accusers? Okay, go and sin no more. And sometimes I think there is something so powerful about the middle, about living, living within that tension mm-hmm. between the law and the lost. Like, how do we, how do we juggle that in our own lives? And I would say that practically more so that's like, where do I draw a boundary? So that's probably mm-hmm. a more common term in our times. I don't know. I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I moved somebody into my apartment and I upgraded my apartment to a three bedroom. So I, I probably didn't have the best boundaries. Right. Uh, but I can tell you that he looks at me and my family as uh, something he's never had in his life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when people are, are deep in a mess, it doesn't have to be L.A. Uh, if, you're, if you're hurting and you feel lonely, the, the, that pain is just as strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're depressed, man, depression is everywhere today. Uh, I, I, I don't know how if anybody listening has ever encountered somebody who's dealt with that. That's 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 a nasty thing to walk through. And people cannot walk with other people through those things unless they are doing it. For a deeper cause, unless they know that this is something Jesus would have walked through with them. Mm. I, I couldn't. There'd be no way. Like I said, at 23, I had felony charges. Somebody steals my car. I punch him in the face. Like, I'm not going to. like. <laughs> That's a hard punch, guys. Like, I just wouldn't. <laughs> if you haven't seen Chris's arms, they are. <laughs> Huge. I, but 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 that's that's like the mentality that most people have. Yeah. Like if you wrong me, I'll wrong you back. Yeah. Eye for an eye. Yeah. And 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 it's 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 so difficult to to navigate that those situations and it's uncomfortable and it's not easy. And so in talking about defense, we 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 slack off from the hustle because we get tired or because we want to be more comfortable and we don't want to keep our stance or our form right. And and that's when the enemy beats us. That's when the opponent blows by you. And so staying a defender means it means hustling, man. It means looking out for lost people all the time. Don't get comfortable in church. Listen, if you're a young adult and you're listening to this, do not get comfortable in church. 99 sheep, Jesus ain't there. I'm not telling you not to come to church. I'm a pastor. I work for a church. I want you at church. 
but I don't want it to be something that's just all about the coffee and all about my seat and all about like seeing the other what, 99. What, what's in it for me? Like what's in it for me? The mentality of Jesus was if, if the mentality of Jesus was what's in it for me, he would have never came down from heaven. Oh yeah. Cause there was nothing down here that would benefit him. Right. But you know, it's cool. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that when he was being spat on and punched in the face and drug up a hill on a cross after being flogged and whipped, uh, it, which should have killed him. He uttered not a single word. He didn't say a single thing. He didn't say, oh, I'm saving you. He didn't say, uh, you, you don't get it. You're not, you're not missing. He got on a cross after being nailed and he said, father, forgive them. Cause they don't know what it is they're doing. Because they thought they had knowledge of God. Hmm. So I've looked at my life so many times and I said, what do I think I know about God? Or what is it that like, what am I trying to reach? How many commentaries on, 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 on revelations do I have to read or like how many, how many different uh, speakers do I have to listen to that, uh, you know, all of these, all of these big, like famous theologians, how many times do I have to watch a Ravi Zacharias YouTube and, and, and be able to defend my faith yep. be, before I, I, before I know God, man, it's, it's just not it. Mm-hmm. It's backwards. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't engage in those deep conversations. He made it as simple as possible. Childlike faith. It would probably do me well to just read the Bible at face value and say, hey, uh, is this what Jesus did? How can I do it? I know that that's when I had the most zeal in my life. I know that's when I was passionately seeking him the most in my life. Not when I became so concerned about, is somebody going to think I misinterpreted this verse? Mm-hmm. Are they going to think I'm dumb? It's, it's derailing, man. It's it's uh, that's those are the things that the Pharisees were focused on. And it's so easy to be so consumed, which is you, 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 you. Take one Saturday, step away, and go serve somewhere, and and just see what that see what it does. See if it doesn't shift a perspective. See if it doesn't uh, change your mindset or fill you with joy or make you feel closer to Jesus. Start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Find a, a, a place that is helping somebody that is in a, 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 a position of needing help in the city somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just, just start there and see what that does. See if it doesn't make you feel more connected with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I have a good feeling it might. Mm-hmm. So that's my, Love my it, suggestion. Man. Chris, dude, thank you so much. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being real. Thanks for taking time away from your kids for your family to make They're an investment asleep, so <laughs> to make this investment in young adults, man, we appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. You make us better. We appreciate and, it. And I'll say this. If people are looking for a good place to serve and to start, man, the dream center does a Wednesday night dinner. Uh, that's a, that's a great place to get started. Okay. We'll post, uh, maybe a link to that in the bio as well. So people can uh, connect to that if they want. All right. Thanks guys. And we'll see you next time. Thanks guys.